Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. Recently, we've talked about compliance issues related to transfer DRG revenue recovery, specifically as they relate to clinical reviews. But there are other areas that are worth noting, and to discuss those areas with me today, I'm joined by Mary Devine, who is the Director of Revenue Cycle Services here at Bessler. Mary, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. So, Mary, you recently authored a paper entitled Five Compliance Pitfalls that impact Medicare transfer DRG review. And we've, we've talked about some of those areas in the past, but today I thought we'd cover uh, a couple of the items that we haven't. And the first area that we uh, talked about or want to talk about is starting your revenue uh, recovery efforts too close to the discharge date of the claim. Tell us about that. So um, as you know, Bessler is a big proponent of post-acute care calls. And when you begin working a discharge status review that is too close to the date of discharge, you're not allowing the post-acute care provider to do their thing. So if you think about it from the perspective that you as the acute care hospital has 12 months to get those claims into Medicare, well, the post-acute care provider has 12 months as well. And if you think about the concept of a home health claim or a skilled nursing facility claim, their build in 60-day increments. So they have 12 months and 60 days, basically, from um, when that patient was was admitted and discharged into the post-acute care provider. So if you start utilizing the common working file three months after the date of discharge, you it's highly likely you will not see any type of utilization, and you might be then recommending a discharge status code based on the common working file. And again, as we've mentioned in our previous podcast, you should never, ever do that. We, we generally would even recommend not working something until it's nine months to 12 months um, from the date of discharge, allowing that um, presence of utilization in the common working file, allowing you then to determine what type of post-acute care calls you need to make. So there's always an urgency to try to recover money as quickly as possible, but that that isn't always the most sound approach necessarily. Absolutely. It, um, I, matter of fact, I would absolutely not recommend doing that. So if you work data, let's say it's six months out, you might end up placing a lot more calls out to the post-acute care provider than you would if you waited 12 months because you would be able to confirm that utilization. At six months, again, you know, those post-acute care providers still probably have another um, three quarters of a year to get their claims into Medicare before it would go untimely. And of course, there's different types of providers in that in that chain that sure. we talked about. Absolutely. You know, we talk about home health care, we talk about the skilled nursing facility, and there are patients who, and I'll use the example of a patient who's coded an 06, but you can tell by the utilization that there could be some skilled care in there. So you would not just want to place a call out to the home health agency, but you'd also want to place a call out to um, the skilled nursing facility looking to confirm that it did not occur post-discharge, and if it did, what was the level of care that was received? Yeah, it certainly is rather complex. 
And Mary, you've done a podcast as well on overpayments, and we've talked about that quite extensively, but why don't you uh, briefly talk about some of the issues uh, that could cause compliance concerns there? Well, you know, Mike, I think that when you talk about an overpayment, it really plays into the hands we were just talking about, about working a claim too close to discharge and recommending it for a discharge status change. So um, if you work a claim and there is nothing in the common working file, you may submit an adjustment to Medicare. And we know that the edits only work about 85% of the time. So you're at risk of that 15% not being caught by the edits in the system, as well as the potential risk that the claim for the post-acute care provider does not exist. So you would end up being um, overpaid in, in both of those scenarios. And if Medicare is utilizing Max to do overpayments, you don't want the MAC coming in and finding those um, overpayments and taking that money back. The other thing you're at risk for is the OIG is now beginning to, as I mentioned in a previous podcast as well, they are really focusing in on, on some of the uh, home care overpayments and not just the 06 to an 01, but the 06 to a, a condition code 42. And if you're not doing proper um, reviews on that, you could end up overpaid in those scenarios. And the OIG is going to take their sample and apply it across your entire population of Medicare claims, assuming that there are um, that volume of overpayments throughout your entire Medicare payment. So you really want to be careful when you are recommending those adjustments that they are absolutely 100% validated through a uh, strong validation process. And uh, much like anything when you're dealing with regulation, uh, compliance is up for interpretation. Uh, Always. D- depending Always. on who you're talking That's to. Right. And so That's you've right. got you've got several MACs across the country. You've got hospitals and health systems that straddle across MACs. Uh, how do you handle that issue? You know, that is such a great question because um, – when you talk about a claim that's within timely filing, it goes through and it goes through the standard edit process and nobody really has to touch that claim. It does its thing. And again, there are times, 15% of the time, that it may pass through and be inappropriately paid, overpaid. But when you are talking about a claim reopening and it becomes a 1-1-Q when you're putting the condition codes on it, a MAC representative has to get involved to push that claim past timely filing. They need to read your remarks, which are key to over to getting past that timely filing, as well as making sure that all the appropriate condition codes on there, and then apply a little bit of of thought to whether the reason you want to bypass timely filing and recommend a discharge status change as well. So MACs may interpret the discharge status change slightly differently. Um, We know that there are some MACs that really, really struggle with the claim reopening for um, an unrelated home care claim, so a condition code 42. They really struggle. They they make it as simple as a condition code is not a sound reason for a claim reopening. So there's certain things you have to do in order to get past that. Um, And then there are other MACs who don't really apply any... Um, 
logic to it and they just pass those through providing that everything is present on the claim so it just depends on the mac on on how that claim reopening goes through and the other thing is some macs take a lot longer to process those claim reopenings than other we have macs we work with all the macs um here at bessler and some macs they will process a claim reopening within three to four days other, they can take up to 60 days to review it. They put it through a medical review. So it just depends on the MAC. But it, the most important thing is understanding the appropriate remarks that need to go on that claim to get past the timely filing. And you want to make sure that the reason for um, submitting the claim reopening is actually valid. Otherwise, you could get a, end up with um, rejections and potential takebacks of the full claim, not just the difference between the uh, full DRG and the per diem. So, Mary... Some hospitals do recovery on their own. Some have one vendor helping them. Some have multiple vendors helping them. If you're at a hospital, how do you take all this information and begin to synthesize it into a process so you either understand it on your own or you're asking your vendors the right questions uh, to ensure that they're doing things the right way? You know, that's kind of that's, – that's a tough question because if you think about – all that goes on within a revenue cycle within a hospital and all the priorities. You know, the transfer rule is an important rule and it is a costly rule, but sometimes the actual um, intricacies of applying the the transfer rule and understanding the transfer rule can be a little difficult. But um, I always recommend understanding the SEO 801 and understanding what discharge status code to use and when. And then certainly taking the time to understand who is actually assigning the the discharge status code. That goes a long way. You know, getting case management involved in uh, placing the discharge status code and understanding what that discharge status code really means. Um, what we find across a lot of our providers is there is a real lack of understanding of some of the discharge status codes. So, again, utilizing the SA 0801 as a real source for, for the understanding of that. And if you'd like to get uh, our paper, Five Compliance Pitfalls That Impact Medicare Transfer DRG Review, just go to Bessler.com forward slash insights and click on the revenue cycle button there and you'll get access to that paper and a whole lot more. Mary, thanks again for joining us on the podcast today and sharing your insights around this topic. Thank you for having me. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.